Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Shabat, to discuss the state of the industry and Air Arabia's impressive second quarter results. Enjoy. Hey, Jay, how you doing? I'm good, Ned. How are you? Hanging in there. It's the dog days of summer here in D.C., so just, just getting through, staying cool. Yep, yep. Still the hot summer, and it's got that feeling that uh, fall is approaching. Yes, and speaking of fall, uh, to all our listeners, I just want to say this will be our last episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge for the summer. We are going to take a hiatus, and we will be back after Labor Day when our next episode will drop on Friday, September 8th. Yep, sounds good. And with and, the- uh, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I would say with that, we're going to dive into a little state of the industry. Jay, what's uh, what's happening? Right. So uh, let's uh, take a kind of a snapshot of where we are. Uh, we're um, we're talking, by the way, on Wednesday, August 16th. And uh, just um, one thing that I think uh, is worth stating at the outset here is that uh, by this time already, we're at mid-August. A lot of schools in the United States, uh, public schools, are um, and uh, you know just uh, secondary schools, whatnot, are, are primary schools. They're, they're opening now, and so for much a very big swath of the United States, uh, summer travel season is over already. Now it's not true yes. in the Northeast uh, where, where Ned and I are. The schools gen- generally start after Labor Day, but uh, yeah, important to keep in mind. So. You know, uh, if you're on an airline with a lot of sunbelt activity, for example, it's uh, your your summer's done now. You're kind of getting into that. Okay. My my friends in Atlanta are, are went back to school at the beginning of the uh, beginning of August, and were you know they're they're from the Northeast, and they were a bit shocked by it. But yep, beginning of August, wow. Yes, I want to say August third or something. It was it was early by my standards, but yeah, it kind of feels like it keeps so creeping back. Yeah, earlier and earlier because I yeah we I, I, we used to live in Florida and. Uh, yeah, I remember the school starting in mid-August. It may be even earlier now. But in any case, that is a little bit different. You know, the patterns in Europe, I think late August tends to be still prime vacation time. Uh, someone can email us, uh, can correct correct us if we're wrong on that, or maybe you know, Ned. But I, I think that's still, you know, if you're living in France, you're on vacation in much of August. And I think that's a little bit of a different pattern there. Yes. But what does it say about demand? What are, what are, you, what are you seeing, Jay? Yeah, so uh, sorry for that sort of long-winded intro on uh, vacation patterns. But uh, yeah, it, it does feel like the narrative about the airline industry and its, uh, you know, this, the, its condition is changing somewhat, getting a little bit slightly more pessimistic, I think. And I think there's no doubt that uh, most carriers around the world had a fantastic spring, which we can see from the second quarter results. Pretty much every airline in the world made money in the second quarter. There's, I mean, you can count on one hand the, the number of airlines that didn't. I mean, the publicly traded ones, major ones anyway. Uh, and I think that's going to be true, certainly, uh, of most of the third quarter. I mean, we're not quite done with the third quarter, but July and August were really, really strong months, I think, around the world in, in very general terms. And that was you know, especially true on international, long-haul international, transatlantic, et cetera. So any airline that has the sizable, sizable exposure to long haul international, I think, did well this summer. Did well this summer. I think that's fair to say. But what what we're starting to see now, just in the past week or two, is that more airlines are saying, 
Well, you know, maybe demand uh, is not quite, maybe we've reached our peak. You know, Pegasus Airlines, which is a low-cost carrier in Turkey, basically said this yesterday, reported, uh, was it yesterday, the day before, sometime this week. And uh, their CEO basically said that, look, uh, you know, we had this incredible, uh, you know, peak season, um, you know, 2022 was great summer. Everybody was coming back, this revenge travel type thing. Um, our springtime was great, but now it's starting, you know, our, our unit revenues are starting to, you know, there's starting to be some year over year deterioration, not that things are horrible or anything, but, but there's starting to be some slippage there. So now they're, you know, that may be somewhat unique because Turkey really was, uh, you know, just a extraordinarily booming tourist place for the past, you know, for last year and into this year. Uh, so maybe that's, you know, cooling off, but others aren't. So we, we need more data, but that does kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of the sentiment that you're starting to see a little bit more and more now at the yeah, same Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just want to interject there. I mean, sure. I uh, can speak more to the U.S. market, but just, you know, I wrote about, you know, asked the question of the U.S. face over capacity this fall. And I wrote about that, I want to say three weeks ago, and the general consensus is probably not. And I feel like the narrative is really starting to change. And just like you said, just in the last week, maybe 10 days, that, you know, maybe we are seeing overcapacity this fall, especially as uh, sort of travel numbers are holding steady and to using TSA screenings, but they're not climbing. And airlines are set to fly in the US, at least large domestic schedules this fall. So it's uh, really, you know, begging the question that maybe it is time that they pull some of that back. But yeah, Jay, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, right. And we uh, just to your point, Ned, I think, uh, yeah, we heard uh, Spirit and Frontier and some other airlines in their third or second quarter earnings presentations talk about how, yeah, Cancun is not quite as good as it was. And, and I, th- I think in general, and we, we may have, I believe we talked about that on the podcast. I don't think that was anything to you know be concerned about because these are still strong markets, maybe just not as strong. Uh, and that may ultimately be what we're talking about here. But, uh, you know, there's that. There's the demand stuff. Um, it'd be very interesting, by the way, you know, the next time U.S. airlines will speak publicly, formally to investors will probably be in September. There'll probably be some uh, investor conferences on Wall Street and whatnot. And it'll be very We always have a round of investor conferences. And then there's also the U.S. Chamber Summit, which which is happening, uh, the, I believe, the week after, not two weeks after Labor Day. So we'll get some updated data points then, that's for sure. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to, to just hear the sentiment at that point. And then we'll be, you know, in every, we'll be in the thick of the fall season, the autumn uh, season, which is off peak in most markets around the world. So that, that's, that, that'll be very telling. Now, the other important flip side, and this may be contributing to the negativity in the, in the narrative here, uh, is that over on the cost side, we suddenly had this rather large increase in fuel costs just in the past couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, and, and people there. So you, all the airlines that uh, are reporting their second quarter results, the ones that went early didn't talk about it. But if you hear any airline that's been talking just in the past week or two, they're all mentioning that, uh, OK, this fuel, this fuel thing is starting to get uncomfortable. So there's that as well. As I'm speaking here, I'm pulling up IATA has something called their jet fuel price monitor, which is pretty cool. Kind of keep, keeps tabs of where the jet price is going. And they have here, it looks like this is for the week ending August 11th. So again, we're talking the 16th here, a couple day lag here, no big deal, but uh, just month over month, 
the jet fuel price, this is, you know, taking averages across the globe, but jet fuel price up 24%. So that's, you know, that's pretty serious. Still down 10% from last year. Remember, we had this like very, very large drop year over year. So we're still not, you know, to the discomfort levels we experienced last last this this time last year, but but up 24% versus last month. That's that's not going to make anybody uh you know too happy in, in, in an airline uh, executive office. It's uh, that's for sure. No, that's for sure. And I mean, we got to remember, fuel is airline. You know, fuel and labor are airlines' two biggest expenses, and labor has continued to tick up. We've got new labor deals agreed to at Lufthansa, at Southwest, just in the last you know two weeks. Um, fuel going up is only going to add pressure to, you know, potentially do that capacity discipline that used to be such a buzzword in the industry uh, this fall and into 2024. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, so we have the, you know, just to summarize here, we have a demand picture that's becoming perhaps somewhat more pessimistic still, you know, it's still a lot of gray area there. We have a cost picture that's becoming, you know, pretty unequivocally uh, more pessimistic because of what's happening with fuel. And then, you know, we do still have a supply side picture, supply side situation that is favorable to yields in the sense that, you know, it's, we, we know, we know about how airplanes aren't arriving on time and there are too few air traffic controllers and, you know, not enough space at airports. We've talked about that kind of ad nauseum, that no change there. So that uh, presents a uh, you know kind of puts a floor on how how far yields can fall. Um, so you know perhaps perhaps airlines can take a little comfort on that a comfort in that as frustrating as those you know infrastructure supply side shortages are. For sure, and like I said, I mean airlines are need to recoup their the costs that they've you know incurred uh, those new labor contracts and. So I say capacity discipline because if there's one way airlines can can boost yields when demand is you know holding steady and not climbing, it's it's pulled back on that capacity growth. And so that's an easy, easy lever that they can pull if they need to. But, you know, we, we shall see. Maybe business travel will come roaring back this fall and we'll get out of this plateau of 70 to 80 percent of uh, managed corporates. But yeah. I'm, I kind of doubt that's going to happen. So <laughs> we'll but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And I mean, yeah, you, that's an important point to bring up. We don't that's another big wild card is, you know, where does corporate travel go from here? And a lot of airlines have said that, uh, well, it's, uh, you know, when people go back to the office, then there'll be more people traveling for business. But are people going back to the office? I don't know. Maybe in some industries, yes. In some places, yes. Others, no. Uh, we did. I mean, Brazil, I may have mentioned this on last podcast. I can't remember. But Brazil, uh, what is it? Azul said that uh, they're now at 100% of uh, corporate volumes um, in Brazil. Now, that's, you know, that's certainly not the case in the U.S. So that could be just a you know, a unique example there. Um, I, I, I think, uh, was it Lufthansa? Maybe some, some, somebody in Europe said that it's only still 70, 80%. So um, it may, it may differ by, by place. Uh, but for um, sure, for sure. But if it, yeah, and like you said, price. I think the, the cafe, like other markets are, are different than the US. And I think Qantas has said domestic Australia is pretty much recovered. So mm, yeah, right, the right, different yeah. markets, different dynamics. Right. And you may have the cafe example is a good one. And that's, they they also have unique circumstances because I think they're uh, you know they're they're sending a lot of business traffic into China because China just doesn't have the you know direct capacity anymore. So unique unique circumstance there. 
for sure, for sure. Well, with that, we'll take a quick break and we're going to talk about uh, Air Arabia in the Middle East when we come back. Jay, tell us about Air Arabia. They had some pretty spectacular second quarter results that you just wrote about uh, on Airline Weekly. Yeah, they did. They they um, reported this week and uh, their operating margin was 27% for the second quarter, which is highest Ooh. among, yeah, wow, it's, uh, into the stratosphere. That was highest among uh, any airline that, that we've been tracking. Um, and not not all the airlines are in yet, but most of them are. And that's number one. Even had a we had COPA at number one, 24%. Arabia is now 27. So, uh, you know, easily on top now. Uh, you know, I should sort of Surgeon General's warning here. These are, uh, you know, don't take these numbers as, uh, you know, too, too, too literally. We have, you know, different accounting systems. And, you know, uh, to, to a certain extent, we use our, our judgment on which special items to take out. I mean, usually that's, that's not a big factor. That's usually pretty straightforward. So it's, uh, you know, I think these, uh, we're very confident these numbers are very clean. But uh, yeah, just just keep that in mind. Air Arabia, I should also say, is not the most transparent airline. I mean, as far as I knew, they don't. I know they don't do an earnings call. Their uh, you know their investor presentation that uh, that they do is uh, is is pretty simple and straightforward. It's not not a whole lot in not a whole lot of meat in there. So, uh, but you know, they they publish their audited financial statements. And their PL for the second quarter, 27%. There you have it. <laughs> so it's a uh it's it's obviously doing something right. That's right. And you know, when I was reading your piece, I actually I don't think I realized how close Sharjah is to Dubai International. It's only 20 miles away. So really they are acting as a sort of secondary Dubai airport and benefiting from all of the, the boom in tourism to Dubai. Yeah, that's a good point. So Sharjah is a, from from a market point of view, Sharjah is Dubai. It's, it's it's basically it's it's right there. I remember I took a taxi once from Dubai to Sharjah, and it's it was like twenty minutes in traffic. So it was uh, you know maybe it's a little more than that. I don't know, but uh, but it wasn't um, my my memory is being being relatively quick. Uh, so yeah, that is um, it is an alternative airport for Dubai. Uh, so they um, you know they kind of benefit from from the, the dynamism of Dubai's market. It is a you know just a well-run, low-cost carrier. They keep their costs low. They have joint ventures in uh, in one in Egypt and one in Morocco. They have a new one in Pakistan now. I think sort of the jury's still out on how well that will do. They have another new one in Azerbaijan, I believe. Um, did I miss any? They have they have um, oh one in Abu Dhabi as well. So they um, you know they kind of spread themselves out uh, throughout the even beyond the Gulf. And um, their yeah, their home base charge is kind of where most most of their you know where most of the action is, and uh, a lot of business to the Indian subcontinent. So they you know probably one of the I would say their biggest segment of business is moving you know migrant workers and family visit type traffic, uh, you know price sensitive type traffic uh, in and out of the Indian subcontinent into Dubai, and you know they'll take connections as well into you know elsewhere in the network in the Gulf. Uh, so and it's not just India. I, you know, one thing you highlighted was they've started uh, Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur flights to Sharjah on A321 LRs. And I was telling you, count me out on that. I don't mind long haul narrow bodies, but I do not want to do a high density budget narrow body on a six to seven hour flight. That's for sure. <laughs> right. They uh, they're stretching themselves uh, to uh, into kind of 
deeper deeper into the Azerbaijan region and Africa and even into Europe with their LRs. They're going to have the XLRs too. So Ned, you might have the opportunity to take a uh, take an even longer trip with them. And, uh, <laughs> Count me <laughs> out. XLRs. <laughs> no, they're yeah, not. The Air um, is an interesting. Well, go ahead, Ned. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, it's it's a good story at Air Arabia, but it, the larger story there is just sort of the boom of leisure travel to the Gulf. And and you outline this in your story. They've got Wizz Air is growing. There's Flya deal in Saudi Arabia. Riyadh Air plans launch in Saudi Arabia. Um, Fly Dubai mm-hmm. is competing. Uh, so, you know, it's all yeah. kinds of airlines. Um, oh, there's a Jazeera uh, in Kuwait. Like there is a lot of low cost competition in the Gulf and rapidly growing low cost competition. So it's 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 an interesting story. Right. And you always wonder, you know, how much can these markets absorb? I mean, traditionally, they've been they've been pretty good about absorbing them. They are great aviation markets because of, like we said, all the migrant traffic, because of the geography. I mean, those narrow bodies that Air Arabia flies, even forget about the LRs, even the standard Airbus narrow bodies can, I mean, from from Sharjah, Dubai, you can hit on a lot of, you know, just a lot of population centers. So there's that and there's, you know, not there's no train competition in that area. And um, there's tourism, lots of tourism. There, these are growing economies. So there's oil, you know, there's a lot, just a lot, a lot of stuff going on that drives air traffic. So uh, it can absorb a lot of capacity. I mean, at some point, you know, maybe too much, you get to a point where it's too much, um, but we don't really know when that point is. Uh, one interesting thing that's happening now, and I, I suspect, and again, you know, to repeat, they're not super transparent here. So I don't know this for a fact, but I, I suspect highly that uh, one reason for their uh, extraordinary Q2 operating margin was uh, just so many Russians now that are not able to visit uh, Europe or transit through Europe. They're going to places like Turkey and Thailand and Dubai and Air Arabia is absolutely picking that up. They actually just added three three, three more uh, routes to Russia, just uh, I believe in the past year. Um, they've been flying to Moscow for a long time. So I, I suspect they're getting really good, good profits on those routes. So, oh yeah. And I mean, that's yeah. actually been an interesting um, topic. We, you know, we've talked about Turkish airlines, all those airlines probably benefiting from the travel restrictions to Russia, which, you know, basically Western airlines have stopped flying those routes. Um but none of them are willing to comment on it. Turkish uh, repeatedly avoids any comment during their earnings calls. Like you said, uh, Arabia is, is avoiding. So it's interesting. It's It's got to be generating some really high yielding revenue flows, but no one's willing to, to really talk about it in detail. Yeah, you know, it's geopolitically sensitive. It's, uh, you know, a country like Turkey is uh, it's trying to stay friends with everybody being in the middle of the uh, middle of the world there. And so uh, you could sort of understand why they might be uh, might be a little coy about that, but uh, but I tend to believe that that has to be really good traffic. I mean, anytime you have, uh, and, and remember the Russian airlines too are struggling because they um, you know don't have access to Boeing and Airbus parts and things like that. So uh, it's you have to believe that um, you know if you are flying to Russia, um, a lot of that demand gets is going to get squeezed onto your planes, and you'll be able to charge for it. So I suspect, uh, you know, I'm sure it's not just that. Obviously, you know, the Indian, we've talked about this before, the Indian economy is doing very well in terms of growth. And that's got to be helping um, an an airline. Absolutely. Air Arabia. And yeah, the Gulf economies are, you know, there's a lot of investment there and and, and whatnot. So 
So uh, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of reasons uh, why I think Air Arabia did did very well, and they've they've this is not like a huge surprise. I mean, they've had quarters in the past. They're I guess they started about twenty years old or something. I don't remember, but exactly. But I mean, call it two decades, and they they've had years where they were you know definitely among the profit leaders in the industry. They're uh, yeah, it's it's also remember you know it's a non union cost pay non union labor force. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a region of the world where you can keep your costs pretty low. Uh, so there's there's that too on the cost side. Um, and you don't so, have fears of, of potential strikes or whatnot because uh, right, I don't think exactly. that's something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's oh, good uh, story. Good story. Yeah, yeah. Quite quite a few reasons why Arabia is doing doing great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay, with that, I think we're going to wrap up the Airline Weekly Lounge for our last episode of summer. Uh, listeners, again, if uh, we're going to be taking a brief hiatus and we will be back, our next episode will be on Friday, September 8th. Jay, as always, it's a pleasure. Oh, yeah, likewise, Matt, and thanks everyone for listening and I hope everybody uh, enjoys the, the rest of their summer holidays if you're living in a northern hemisphere anyway. And I guess if you're living in Australia or Brazil or South Africa or somewhere in the south, I uh I don't know. It's uh, happy winter. Is it uh, what's the proper greeting? But in any case, hope everybody enjoys. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.